0: Good afternoon. I'm Al Creston. Glad to be with you on this day before Thanksgiving. Let me talk a little bit about the problem in Germany. Over the last two years, uh, Matthew Bunsen and I have spent a good deal of time monitoring the synodal way of the German bishops. The synodal way, at best, allows bishops to take inventory of lay concerns. They are listening. At its worst, it's a popular vote on doctrine, a way of replacing the teaching of the Catholic magisterium with lay opinions shaped by the priorities of the surrounding culture. At best, it's a noble demonstration of Catholic community. At its worst, it's a rank accommodation to the spirit of the age. And as the proverb goes, he who marries the spirit of the age soon finds himself a widower. The German bishops have moved toward an open endorsement of homosexual relations, even allowing blessings for same-sex couples. They also seek the ordination of women deacons, and this is widely viewed as the first step towards ordaining women to the ministerial priesthood. Both both these demands violate the settled and clear teaching of the Church. In the last week, the German bishops were in Rome for their obligatory five-year ad limina apostolorum visit. Which is Latin for "to the threshold of the apostles." These ad limina visits are when all the bishops of a national conference go to Rome to pray at the tombs of the apostles Peter and Paul, and they also meet with the successor of Saint Peter, Pope Francis, and other Vatican officials, and they present a five-year report of their respective dioceses. The meetings did not go well. Father Raymond De Souza's opening. Uh, to his report in the National Catholic Register, begin with these words: "Quote, Rome asked, begged actually, the German bishops to take an off ramp from their synodal way, which demands significant changes in Catholic doctrine, sacramental practice, and ecclesial governance. The Germans refused. At the speeds traveled on the autobahn, the coming crash is going to be dreadful. What recently unfolded in Rome was devastating for the unity of the Church." End quote. The regular ad of visit usually includes meetings with heads of various Roman departments, which are called dicasteries. The Germans got something else. They got the Grand Slam. They got what is called the inter uh, This is the formal meeting with all the heads of all the departments. It's rare. It happened in 1998 with the Australian bishops, and they were put through the paces because, well... They were forced to correct various liturgical malpractices and doctrinal errors. Pope Francis was originally scheduled to attend the interdicasterial. He did not. The previous day, though, he had had met with the bishops, the German bishops, personally. So, second in command, Cardinal Parolin, the Vatican Secretary of State, directed uh, the gathering. This was not a mere offering of opinions. This was up-close, up-front, personal confrontation. Even using the language of diplomacy, there was no mistaking the burning concerns of these heads of the church's major departments. Secretary of State Parlin used language to evoke memories of the Protestant Reformations that began in Germany back in 1517 with Luther. He said that the Germans were risking, quote, reform of the church, not reform in the church. One path, he said, leads to schism, the other to Christ, forming his people to be more deeply who he has called them to be. The head of the Department of Doctrine, Cardinal LaDaria, detailed how the German synodal Way had become wayward. The head of the Department of Bishops, Cardinal Olat, called for a moratorium on the synodal Way. The Germans flatly refused, in the first words of Father de Souza. The German bishops have been warned, not just this week, but by their brother bishops from around the world. This has been going on for a while. Denver Archbishop Samuel Aquila, the Nordic bishops, uh, the Polish bishops, and last April, more than 100 cardinals and bishops from around the world released a fraternal open letter to German's Germany's bishops warning that sweeping changes to church teaching advocated by their synodal process will lead to the fracturing of the church. Now, let me stress, this is not business as usual. If nothing changes, schism is inevitable. It will be something we have never dreamed of. It will be a nightmare. The church lost England in 1534, when Henry VIII shamelessly declared himself head of the church in England. The German bishops repeatedly say this is not what they want, but what they do want seems to lead to inevitable schism. It's ironic that Pope Francis wanted to form a poor church for the poor. And he's now witnessing an exceedingly rich church lead towards utter rebellion. Now, it isn't as though Pope Francis hasn't tried to rein in the German bishops. He has. Uh, in June of 2019, he wrote a personal letter without assistance from advisors to all German Catholics stop proceeding down this road to schism. The German Catholics ignored his plea. And though Pope Francis has tried to stop the German synodal path, he hasn't directly addressed the false doctrine proposed there. He certainly has addressed these issues in his general teaching, but he hasn't confronted the German bishops directly on the doctrinal issues. Uh, Last July... Jonathan Lytle observed that the Holy See has been criticizing the process, but not the substance of the problem. The Holy See has emphasized that Germany, quote, does not have the power to compel bishops and the faithful to adopt new forms of governance and new orientations of doctrine and morals, end quote. To push doctrinal char- changes at the diocesan level would constitute a violation of ecclesial communion and a threat to the unity of the church. Pope Francis even very dramatically warned that if particular churches find themselves separated from the entire ecclesial body, they weaken, rot, and die. Yet, the Holy See hasn't openly corrected the false teaching regarding sexual morality or ordination to which the German process is leading. I can't help but think, uh, about focusing on the proposed doctrinal changes. I, I don't know why they don't focus on there, but they've been focusing on the process the Germans are using to make doctrinal changes. Criticize them for teaching falsehood, not just for risking schism? Yeah, do it. But so far, the Holy See's criticism of the Sonatal way is entirely a procedural critique, not a substantive one. Again, as Jonathan Lytle points out, at no point does the Holy See state that the Synodal Way's signature proposals, including changing church teaching on homosexuality, uh, marriage, and priestly ordination, are incompatible with the Catholic faith as it's been received, understood, and taught throughout the centuries. Quote. The Holy See's focus has been on the scandal of pushing for such changes unilaterally, rather than the scandal of teaching falsely. Now, there may be good reasons for this. This is where you know you confront your own inexperience. I've never been a bishop. I don't aspire uh, to the episcopacy, and certainly not the papacy. It's It's quite possible that by limiting the critique to procedure rather than substance, The Holy See is trying to restrain the German church without pushing it over the edge into outright schism. I mean, maybe they're treating this like negotiating with a gunman who has taken hostages. The hostage negotiator focuses on de-escalating the crisis rather than trying to resolve all the hostage takers' issues. Okay, maybe. But the Holy See cannot postpone indefinitely the necessary condemnation of false teaching. When the Archbishop of Luxembourg and President of the Commission of the Bishops' Conferences of the European Union, Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich, publicly declared that the Church's teaching on homosexuality is false and must undergo a fundamental revision, why wasn't he corrected publicly as soon as the statement was made? Soon, Pope Francis will be forced to point out that there can be no unity, there can be no synodality, There can be no fellowship. There can be no communion without a shared commitment to the actual teachings of the church. We're not just united by a commitment to process, you know, or a commitment to procedure, or to a set of protocols. We're united by the content of what we believe. And let me remind us all that we know what the church teaches. What we believe is not hard to find. Just go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It was formed for such a time as this. When those who hold office in the Catholic Church refuse to teach the Catholic faith, one must wonder if they're Catholic at all. Jesus and St. Paul warned the early church to avoid and fight off false apostles, false teachers, false prophets, wolves in sheep's clothing. What makes us think that we've escaped the same obligation. Aren't we obligated to expose the unfruitful works of darkness, as St. Paul puts it? Um, Aren't we supposed to call those who persist in teaching falsehood that they are enemies of Christ, in spite of being dressed up in the disguise of a Catholic cardinal? We don't make such accusations flippantly, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't make them at all. How do we conscientiously address someone as father, who no longer teaches as our father? The church today contains false apostles and false teachers. It tolerates ordained men who no longer want to bring their minds and hearts into submission to the word of God. And so what do we do? I don't have any sort of grand rescue plan. But at the very least, when the shepherds won't beat back the wolves, the sheep, the lay faithful, can at least make a racket by bleeding bah, bah, bad, bad, uh, bad. Listen, don't be don't be uh, deceived. Um, there will be those who will try to argue that um, the de- the blessing of same-sex unions or the approval of uh, homosexual relations—that this is a development of doctrine. Now, I, I think development of doctrine is very important, critically important to understand the history of Catholic teaching, Catholic doctrine. But the development of doctrine is not the contradiction of doctrine. A doctrine, when a doctrine develops it is still recognizable as of the same kind as it came, what it developed from. Opposition to homosexual relations cannot be developed into a blessing of homosexual relations. That's not development. That's outright contradiction.